Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. If you're planning a meeting, conference, or special event in Missoula, consider the Wingate by Wyndham. Our event space is comfortable and flexible. Whether you need an intimate boardroom meeting or a conference war 100, Missoula's Wingate is the perfect fit. Our audio-visual equipment, upgraded internet, and flexible food and beverage policies allow you to put on an impressive show without breaking the bank. Call us at Missoula's Wingate, where we make you feel at home when you're not. They have beat two ranked teams in Jeff Choate's tenure that aren't the Montana Grizzlies. That's it. They're 5-12 and 12 on the road. Two of those wins are against Missoula, in, in Missoula. They haven't proved anything yet. They're riding out the proclamation of the vision and the talent that they have in their stables, and that's all good, but you have to prove it, and that's why this is such a huge game. You do have to prove it, but here's the thing. Like, when they, when they roll, uh, 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 you know, into Bobcat Stadium and it's Northern Arizona coming and then they go to Cal Poly and then they welcome Sac State. Those are all huge games. Yep. Why? Because every game is a huge game. Yep. All I'm saying is I'm not arguing that this isn't a big game. It's a huge game. It's just not a bigger game to me than the Southeast Missouri State game was because you can't prove nearly as much in this. Maybe you can to yourself. Maybe you're like, you know what? We've always been bad on the road. This is a tough place to play. It's a hard place to get to. We got to win the road games. We got to start knowing that we can win road games. Okay, I get all that. It's not a bigger game than playing the number 12 team in the nation with an opportunity to break through a glass ceiling that you've never broken through before effectively to me. I, I, and that, I mean, that's outside looking in. Jeff Choate knows his program far better than I do, far better than any of us. And if he says this is the game that will define us, first of all, I believe him. I think you just make it that by saying that as the head coach. I mean, he, he in a certain way, as a head coach, you have the power of the king. You can sit up there and just make proclamations about things about your team, and they are so in virtue of you saying that. And that also adds a lot of pressure to your guys. I don't know if you, you know what you really want to add that on there, but it's probably if he's saying it to the public, he's probably said it to the team 100%. already. Anyways, what what is culture? It's a term that's thrown around in college football ad nauseum. 
almost to a nauseating level sometimes. Fast food and pop music. But what right? is culture? Culture is what you are, what you where, do. Where the head, where the head coach, what he sits up there and says in front of the media is also what he sits up there and says in front of his team. And every single guy in the locker room believes it. That's what culture is. It doesn't matter what the proclamation is or what the vision is. It's just all about being on the same page. Yeah. You, you have a great culture if all 95 guys are sitting there and when you ask them a question that you just asked Coach Cho and they say what he just said, that's culture. When you have a yes. fracturing of the locker room, when, when there's a million different... This is what happened when to a, Rob Ash. When a bunch of Miami Dolphins are trying to get out of town after the first week of this football? Is, this, is, this, is what, this is what happened to Rob Ash. Mm-hmm. Rob Ash won 70 games and won three Big Sky titles and made it to the playoffs four out of five years. He had one losing season, got stomped by the Grizz and Bozeman. He's out. Well, why? Because there were 75 cooks in the kitchen. Everybody had an idea of what they should be doing, and none of the ideas were the same. You have this guy talking behind this guy's back. You could ask the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, the other co-defensive coordinator, the head coach, the same question, and you get four drastically different answers. And this is all on the record, so you mm-hmm. can't even imagine what it's like you know, when they're back in the offices or in the locker room. And so I think that's, that's where it is. But I, I just think that, again, I think this has so much to do with, with Jeff Choate's big-picture vision. Again, I think that when he looked at his schedule, he, I think he thought to himself, all right, we're not going to win in Lubbock. We're almost certainly going to win on the gold rush. We're probably going to win our last non-conference home game against Norfolk State. What's the game we can't stub our toe in? This one. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, again, that's true. I 100% agree with it. And also, if you would have lost last week, that's then makes this game... Enormous, right? But they, but but if they lost last week, they'd be the number eighteenth or twentieth ranked team in the nation. Sure, and you wouldn't have nearly the pressure that you put on to prove what it is, whatever it is that you are now that you're going on the road. But in any case, it doesn't matter because they won the game. They won the bigger game. That's already done. They should play loose in this game, I think. But I don't know if they're going to. Let's. I will say this. I think there's been a lot more buildup about this game to that football team than there needs to have been. Like, if you're... Here's what I here, here's what I think, okay? When you're going to a team in Western Illinois that you want to believe that you're clearly better than, don't say that it's a critical game. We gotta win. This is gonna, this is gonna define our season. You should walk in and go, we're going to pound this football team into dust. What coach says that? I know of one. The one that coaches right here. He's about six miles away from me right here. (laughs) Right? But but here's the thing. Like, first of all, I completely agree with Jeff. Their philosophies in going into Power 5 schools, utterly different. Oh, yeah. I think Jeff Choate has it. uh, That's my route to go right there. Everybody's going to play. We're going to go down. We're going to see a a part of the country you don't see before. We're not going to give up anything. And we're going to sit here and we're going to, you know, Make ourselves, we're going to be proud of the effort that we give of what we do, and we are going to go in and play a football game, and then we're going to go home, and we're going to cash that check. What do you want to do in Oregon? Win. Well, okay. You're setting yourself up for failure. It's okay. I understand why you're doing it. I'm not saying either, I'm not saying that's necessarily wrong, but I am saying that if it was Bobby Houck going into this game right here, yep. we are going to crush. This football But he team. wouldn't say that to anybody besides the guys in the locker room. He wouldn't say it that way. You're right. 
But you, but but that would be. He certainly wouldn't say this is a season-defining football game for our. Club. Well, no, he's never going to say anything like that. Ever. That's that's the that is the most fascinating part about the dynamic that we have in Montana right now. Jeff Choate is like a a a heavyweight boxing promoter. Mm-hmm. Spins the story, and he's not even the greatest I've ever been on. He is excellent at dissecting the X's and O's of football, no question. And he is he is. Teaching a class every time he gives a press conference, and it's it's so appealing for us in the media. But I also think it does it sets you up for drastic failure if it do, go, goes awry, and, and it can bring so much tumult to your football season so often. Bobby Hawks the absolute other way. He yesterday someone asked Samari Torrey made a comment about hey maybe you know these guys overlooked me coming out of Portland Oregon and I didn't get any calls from the Ducks. You know, so maybe they overlooked me a little bit. So maybe I do have something to prove, or, or you know, maybe maybe this is a bigger game for me. But I'm not really thinking about that. I just want to go compete with my teammates. He did acknowledge it, but then he backtracked into the Grizz speak that we're mm-hmm. learning is going to be consistent. But then someone asked a follow up and said, "Do you feel like you had something to prove?" And Bobby Howe just goes, "No, <laughs> yeah, but there's nothing to prove. That's the thing you you said uh, you're setting yourself up for failure. Failure is not in the lexicon of Montana." Yes. Bobby Heck does not let their, anybody believe that failure is an option. That's where Montana went so awry. Because multiple coaches let failure become an option. Well, we're just not quite there yet. We got some young players. We're still learning how to win. No. When Montana won 119 games last decade because there was no option to lose. Quick break. Come back. We'll stick with Montana. More specifically, we'll stick with Oregon. Mario Cristobal comments about the Grizzlies in this upcoming football game. We'll hear from the Oregon head coach next. Coulter, you and I both know being healthy is a very, very important part of life. Am I right about that? Indeed, guess it is. Well, one of the things that makes me healthy, think you as well, fiber. Gotta have it. You sure do, man. You need to eat your fruits and your veggies, your bananas. You gotta get all that stuff in. Maybe even some bran. Plums. All of it. Fiber is very important. Well, guess what? Turns out it's important to communication as well. You might be surprised to learn that Blackfoot and its partners have invested millions of dollars, truly, in building a fiber optic network throughout Montana. Through Bozeman and around Gallatin County, more than 30 miles of fiber optic cable have been laid by Blackfoot. That's amazing. Impressive, innovative, and a perfect place with the way Bozeman's been growing. Click on the link below, goblackfoot.com slash ESPN. They're not trying to sell you anything. They don't want you to do anything. They just want you to know what they're up to and how they're improving communication across the state of Montana. So go to goblackfoot.com backslash ESPN now. To tell in Nuanes on 102.9 ESPN Radio for Missoula. Welcome back to Tell Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Outstanding to be with you on this Tuesday afternoon. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We are broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris Studios. Kurtz Polaris at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula, Highway 83 in Sealy. Online at KurtzPolaris.com. If you want to listen live, you can do it on our website, 102.9 ESPN.com. There you can listen to the stream. Stream is available on the Listen Live tab, and it is there thanks to Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Um, we are going to hear in just a moment from uh, 
the head coach of the Oregon Ducks, Mario Cristobal, in his uh, weekly press conference talking about their matchup with the Montana Grizzlies. want to briefly uh, mention to you, remind everybody, we talked about it yesterday, but Kay Flay going to be at the Wilma Saturday. Big show at the Wilma Saturday night. Tickets are available at logjampresents.com and the Wilma do- box office. And if you don't know who she is, well, got, got great news for you. Our good buddy Tommy Evans going to be previewing some K-Flay on the new show on the trail at 6 o'clock. So as soon as you're done with us here, flip it over to uh, 103.3 on the trail. Listen to K-Flay, get some stories, and uh, and learn about her as an artist uh, as she is uh, coming to Missoula on Saturday evening. Uh, Coulter, we're going to hear from uh, Mario Cristobal here in just a moment. We'll track down the uh, sound bite here if we can. Uh, but he talked a couple of things, both about the Grizz offensively and defensively, but also about Oregon and what they expect to do. But this is a guy who comes in and is a different – he's a different guy than the last three that they've had, which were kind of the program defining – I mean, obviously you have Chip Kelly coming in and really takes Oregon to a whole new level, and he, you know, he's the savant and he's this that and he's that. Then Mark Helfrich, and it kind of goes – it goes really well, and then it goes really poorly, and he's let go. Willie Taggart comes in for not even a full season, and now Mario Cristobal, and he's a completely different guy than those other three, both in terms of who he is and in terms of the type of football that he wants to play. And all I know is if you mix the speed and athleticism that has been the sort of hallmark of Oregon football with a big, bad, nasty top 10 in the country offensive and defensive line, you got something special, and they may be right in that area right now this season with this football team. I do think that there's uh, there's a little bit of a misperception of what Chip Kelly was. Chip Kelly, he made one of the boldest schematic decisions that changed the face of college football forever when he decided to run the triple option out of the spread with a brand new fold the 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 vaunted Oregon spread option Chip Kelly decided to not block the guy in the middle that was unheard of who thought of that who would ever even consider that and then it made it so that the guy that is isolated that has to make a play on whether it's Dennis Dixon or Marcus Mariota or LaMichael James or all these, you know, Kenyon Barner, guys that are the fastest players in college football. Now you have the nose tackles trying to make the play on this guy, and you have a, you have a two-player advantage as soon as he b- breaks the deal. And that, that broke open the whole thing. But I think that people thought of Chip Kelly as this high-flying offense when, in reality, Oregon's run game was the thing that got him to the national championship mm. game. Oregon's run game was the thing that got him into the college football playoff. Now, though, they have a way more, uh, I shouldn't say traditional, because they still run a lot out of the spread. They're going to run as many multiple tight end sets. That's one thing Oregon's so creative with, too, is you know the back and forths. So uh, we will see uh, how the identity of the Ducks continue to evolve under Mario Cristobal, but Oregon's been able to run the ball for a long time. Uh, now they just have a guy that wants to do it early and often. Here's Mario Cristobal, the head coach of the Oregon Ducks. This is his comment initially about the Montana Grizzly offense. That being said, I'll focus this on Montana. A couple things on them, which I think are really important to note. Number one, just starting with their offense. Think that their quarterback is really a special player. 
Uh, he's a runner. He's a thrower. He's a heart and soul of their team. Very tough. He'll throw his body around. There's no hesitation in his game whatsoever. The ball's out quick and it's accurate. I think he's a special player. He's complimented by some really special wide receivers. In fact, their slot, I think, has the, uh, the opportunity to, um, to break the all-time receptions record this season. He's on pace to do so, but very explosive at the slot position and very long, athletic, and fast outside. And they do a great job just mixing up what they do from a tempo standpoint. They'll get 11 personnel and run some spread tempo stuff and then jump into 21, 22 personnel, do some more pro-style concepts both in the run game, the pass game, play action as well, uh, and do a lot of shifts and motions, try to get you off of uh, your scheme and try to catch you uh, one or two gaps short and try to expose you defensively. Their offensive line, I, I love watching them play because they play with toughness. I believe overall they have 10 starters back, but 13 guys on their offense have started at least a game or two for them the previous season. Uh, I don't think their Titans get enough credit. I know Colin Bingham just watching him 88. Um, watched him a lot just because he's so physical and he sets the point where they're running power outside zone, inside zone. Uh, and they use two and three tight ends at a time. So that's a little bit on their offense, but uh, obviously real explosive offense. They've scored a lot of points. Is it weird that we learn more about the Grizzlies from Mario Cristobal than from Bobby Howe? Let's find that fascinating. Here he is talking about the Grizz defense. Defensively, a very different challenge that we've had. I know it's a, you know, we faced a three down front this past week. This one's a little bit different. They're in that three down front probably 70% of the time, and then 30% of the time they're in a four down front. Uh, they play with three safety. I'm sorry, with um, with three. Yeah, they're they they have a couple safety three safeties at a time in the game uh, to complement their two corners. So five DBs at a time with three down linemen and three linebackers. One of those linebackers will move up on the line of scrimmage to present their four down package as well. But uh, it all starts with number 33 Dante Olson. Um, just a hard nosed, tough, physical, fast, uh, instinctive football player commanding up the middle of that defense right there. And you're looking at getting some type of stunt up front, whether it be a T-E, an E-N, meaning truly the end and the no stunning on first and second down, not third down, on first and second down uh, to present a lot of fit issues for the offense, blocking scheme issues. They communicate extremely well. Thought their, their back, uh, the back end of their defense does a really good job communicating and passing off concepts, matching concepts as well. And uh, just a very different scheme than what we face, so we've got to have a great week of preparation. So there you go. Mario Cristobal, head coach of the Oregon Ducks, talking about the Grizzly offense and defense. Obviously, uh, you can could, you could hear that he's a lineman, a former lineman, because he's talking about gap fits and stunts and all that kind of stuff up front, what's going on. He keys in on Dante Olson, on, on uh, Dalton Snead, and then on Colin Bigham, interestingly, uh, another guy who he mentioned by name. But it is... You know, to hear him break it down. You know, when you sit there and you watch a Grizz game, even when you walk it back, watch it back, you're not watching it very, very likely through the lens of a coach who's in game preparation mode and taking a look at tendencies, taking a look at percentages and the number of times that they line up in, you know, three down linemen, walk up that linebacker, become a four, four down set. That's, that stuff is, uh, good to know like it's nice to hear kind of some of that stuff and and look at what montana likes to do and you know even offensively the different personnel when they go 21 22 personnel and have have different pro style uh uh, uh sets that they're running and running too the fact that it's unique uh that it's different from most of what it is that that oregon sees i find interesting because i I think college football in particular has become fairly diverse 
in the the types and styles that coaches want to run and the personnel they have and, and inventing ways to do new and different things. Uh, and so to be demarcated as different from the norm is actually quite a thing. And I think Montana, I, I haven't been able to put my finger on this yet, but to have questions at offensive line, to have questions at running back, and yet to still go out and rush for 150 to 200 to 240 yards in a game, there's some scheme stuff going on that is a little more nuanced than I think than what the, the common fan and even, even you know, the, the hardcore fan can appreciate. And I think that's something that you start to tease out a little bit when you hear opposing coaches talk about the scout that they are trying to come up with for the Grizzlies, even when it's in a... In a a broad sense of, you know, kind of what they do as a matter of percentage alignments and things of, of that nature. I mean, I've watched a lot of football. A lot. And I can, I can dissect things decently well. And I still couldn't with confidence tell you exactly what Montana runs on defense. I can tell you some, some tendencies, but I could not tell you exactly their blitzes are incredibly exotic. They bring their inside linebackers in so many different ways. They bring them up the the zero gap. They bring them up the right right inside the guards, outside the guards. Sometimes they do twists. They'll run all this line action like Mario Cristobal was talking about, and then a twist in front of, then a delayed blitzing linebacker. I think it's why teams struggle so much with Montana early, and if you have an elite quarterback like UC Davis did last year with Jake Mayer, sometimes they can just dissect you and just completely shred you late. Because, as we know, I mean, like watching Monday Night Football last night, which we're going to get into in the next segment, the Texans kept blitzing Drew Brees. What does Drew Brees do? He sees the blitz, and he throws right to the spot where the right blitz is coming from, mm-hmm. and you just you he just kills you. And like the announcers were saying, the elite, elite guys like Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, they say, blitz me, bring it on. But I do think that Montana also flusters opponents so much because of the 5-DB look and Josh Sandry's versatility, the way he can shift around. Now that Gavin Robertson's picking it up, too, now you can shield those guys, and those guys can play different spots. And I think that's what is confusing for opposing offenses. And I think it it, it is. Like you said, it's a compliment to Kent Bear and his creativity Mm -hmm. uh, hearing uh, Oregon's head coach talk about just the, the, the difficulty in preparing schematically for what the Grizzlies offer defensively. One last thing from Mario Cristobal before we finish up this hour. What about Oregon? What are they going to do not focusing so much on Montana? What's Oregon up to? Well, we, our focus is on playing them the best we can. You know, to me, it's any time any game comes around, that's the only foe we, we don't. We haven't discussed, hey, we got to, I think you know how it is. It's respect everybody that you play, and we got ourselves a heck of a ball club coming in. So there you go. I mean, it's the only way to do it. You got to get out there and go. Let's go. Let's go to work and uh, and see what happens. So uh, it is to tell new ones. One two nine ESPN Radio. Hour one in the books. Hour two forthcoming. Speaking of Drew Brees, he's pretty good. Houston, they will never win a game in which they have a lead late. Just not allowed. You know, guests, the Wingate by Wyndham is the Missoula Hotel that truly offers something for everybody. No doubt. It's conveniently located near the airport, easy for when your friends come to visit you. And you know, of course, my favorite, water slides. 
That's right. They got an awesome water park with a sweet water slide that's perfect for families, groups, and birthday parties. With the Wingate, they also have a terrific business travel rate, large meeting spaces for you and your clients, and one of the best rewards programs you'll find anywhere. Talk to me about breakfast. They're not messing around with the Continental. They got the full breakfast spread, man. That's what I'm talking about. I need that. They got you covered there as well. Just down the road from the Missoula Airport, the location is quiet and convenient. The parking is ample and free, and the staff genuinely cares about taking care of their guests. The Wingate is at 5252 Airway Boulevard. You can also call very simple, easily memorizable number, 541-8000. That's 541-8000. The best hotel at the best spot for a hotel near the airport. Let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home even when you're not. ESPN Missoula Sports Center. The Big Sky Conference landed four teams in this week's top 10 of the Stats FCS Top 25 poll, and a pair of players from the Treasure State earned their le- weekly awards from the league. Here's a little sports center for you, Tutel Nuwana style. Eastern Washington held steady at number four. UC Davis stayed at number five in this week's poll after posting wins over the weekend. Weaver State defeated Cal Poly in a non-conference game that was between two Big Sky Conference teams. The Wildcats move up from number seven to number six. Montana State cracked the top ten at number ten for the first time in five years with a 38-17 win over former number 12 Southeast Missouri State. The Montana Grizzlies moved up two spots to number 20 after their 61-17 demolition of North Alabama. Montana State's win was spurred on by a fierce pass rush spearheaded by senior defensive end Bryce Sterk. The former Washington transfer notched three of MSU's six sacks to earn Big Sky Defensive Player of the Week honors. Montana senior Jerry Lou McGee, he had several crucial punt returns that set up scores before ripping off a 74-yard touchdown return of his own to spark UM's blowout into overdrive on the way to earning Big Sky Conference Special Teams Player of the Week. Montana State, uh, excuse me, Billings Central soccer standout Morgan Fairstad notched a hat trick against Hamilton over the weekend, giving her a Montana prep record 122 goals in her career. She passed Elizabeth Pittman, who had 101. This ESPN Sports Center is presented by Clark Fork Law. Monday Night Football was great, and then it wasn't. OBJ wants to wear a $190,000 watch while he's playing football. Still think Elvin Kamara's got him, though. It's 2 tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris Studios. Kurtz Polaris at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula Highway 83 and Celia online at KurtzPolaris.com. If you missed anything in the first hour, you can listen on the podcast, the podcast available on the TuneIn Radio app, iTunes, Spotify, all of those places. The podcast is presented by the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel. If you want to call, 329-1899 is the phone number. All guests join us via the Rangers Brothers RV phone line. Uh, Coulter, the New Orleans-Texans game was an instant classic, if I may say so. Uh, Absolute stunner back and forth up and down the field and when two throws I guess it was two throws down the field for Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans to go score you sat there and just went no chance they're winning this football game I mean how many times have we seen Houston with get a late lead like in the last minute last two minutes of a ball game 
and not be able to figure it out defensively and hold on to that lead. And once again, it happened and give Drew Brees all the credit in the world and Sean Payton and all that. And Will Lutz, too, was it 58 yards that he banged it in from? 58 yards. I mean, come on, Will Lutz. Let's go. But six seconds left. One timeout. But only six seconds. And you're playing soft coverage in the middle of the field. Like, I mean, you're giving 10 yards so that you even have an opportunity for it on a long throw. I mean, the game's over, right? It's over. You can't catch it and get down and get the timeout if it's if it's over. Certainly, it's over 20 yards in the air. And when he caught it and fell down, if they wouldn't have touched him, the clock would have run out too, right? Well, on I the very final you, completion, you, you give yourself well, I guess up as soon as you get the. You timeout. can give yourself up, right, and then you're down as a matter of choice, which is always an option. You know, you slide, slide down and stuff. So, so I think that is okay. But what I mean, there was they they got it done, and I mean, I think there was two seconds left on the clock. But a heck of a kick and a great win, and one that New Orleans, uh, you know, they struggled. I I thought I thought Houston played a good football game. I'm reminded once again, though, man. I think sometimes everybody thinks Deshaun Watson's a really good quarterback, but I feel like sometimes you think, okay, but is he really that good? Like, is he as good as, as he's played? Like, somehow he's not going to – and he is just that good. Like, he is – he's just amazing, man. I love watching Deshaun Watson play football, and yet the Houston Texans are cursed. They are cursed. They will are they cursed or are they just poorly coached? Well, there there could be both. <laughs> you make your own luck. You do, and I don't know, especially when your bad luck is a trend. Yep, yep. I'm I'm with you. Uh, by the way, and a, a, a huge, I think, an important first week win for New Orleans. By the way, and and what they're getting off to now. The more important thing, how how big is that? Did you see the necklace that Alvin Kamara's wearing? I mean, that thing. The chain on it is is standard, but he's got, I mean, he's got a, a, a car tire sized piece of metal and diamonds and so, hanging from that thing. And I'm just like, I mean, how fast could you be if you just leave it in the locker room? You know, this is how you know you don't trust your teammates. You go buy something like that. You're like, no, no, no. I am not even so much as leaving it here. I'm taking it out there with me. Uh, that's a grandioso extrapolation, but um, I've never gotten the necklace thing when it comes to football. It just seems like if that was to get caught up, you just get your neck sliced. Well, I think like what I happens mean, if he gets horse collared in the hole? No, no, the ne- I think that's going to break. The necklace is going to break. The thing that I'm wondering about is when that thing's down right here and it's on your sternum, and you take one of the chest, I mean, that thing is embedded, it seems to me. Yeah. That's the one that I'm worried about. Yeah. And I don't understand it anyways. Like, even in baseball, like, guy, Javier Baez. Now, who's going to argue with Javi? He's the best shortstop in the game. But how you're able to maintain your focus and concentration when you got loose hanging jewelry swinging around while you're trying to make a play, I don't understand. And why you're, I mean... You know, maybe it's the old Deion Sanders, you look good, you play good, and you're, you know, Kamara's got the, what, the double nose ring going, maybe even triple. He's 
got a lot of stuff. He, he got, he got, and I, I'm, I'm into it. I, I, I mean, he's, he is, he's something else too, huh? I mean, oh, to watch, funny. he is not slow. Are you a Madden guy? No, Did I you mean, you ever play Madden? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I played a little bit of Madden. I, it's, it's too much. Fun. I mean, the rudimentary nature of the schemes originally have then evolved to them being so similar to so many things that are run in the NFL, but there's some plays in Madden that are just unstoppable. And we talk about this all the time. There's this certain element of stubbornness with coaches where they're so dead set on, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to be defined as. Here's what we need to establish. All these different platitudes. And so often, I think that teams just, why is Bill Belichick so great? Because Bill Belichick has no system. He has no tendency. The whole system is to evolve every week. The whole system is to install what's going to hurt the opponent every week. The whole system is to be ahead of the other team, to put the guys on your team in a position to succeed at all costs across the board. And when when the Saints run that the trips to the left and Alvin Kamara is lined up to Drew Brees on the right and they run that halfback angle to the middle of the field... Mm-hmm. I mean, dude, you could run that play over and over and over again. If you get the right matchup, you're completing that pass 100% of the time because Alvin Kamara is such a sweet route runner. If, you, if he runs that halfback angle in the middle of the field, there's no linebacker in the league that can touch him. They right. can't cover him. <laughs> so I just always wonder, if you have a play like that, why wouldn't you just run it over and over and over again? And if they do figure out a way to take it away, that means they're sacrificing something else, and then you can get them there too. It's, it's, it's just like the zone read in college football. There's so many teams that run it over and over and over again. Why wouldn't you? Because if you're making the team make the read and you make the right read, you're going to gain yards almost every time. But Kamara's spectacular. He, he is one of the fun breakout stories in the league because he was largely anonymous before he got to New Orleans. Totally. And, and now he is – I mean, now he's got commercials – I mean, it's easy to be anonymous playing at Tennessee now. Who, uh, <laughs> who? I mean, I mean, none of these big time running backs have national ad campaigns besides Saquon Barkley, right? And Alvin Kamara has multiple national commercials now. I mean, he's on the TV all over the place. Mm-hmm. He's a bona fide star. It's a great story. I think, and I think he's really, really, really fun to watch. And he's the perfect weapon for Drew Brees. Uh, the Denver Broncos, a major disappointment last night. Uh, I went over, I watched this at my folks' place, and Dad, big Broncos fan, sat down with him, excited for the game, and it was just stink, stink, stunk. And 24-16, looks like a one-score game. It wasn't a one-score game. I mean, Denver, it was 24-9 to, to nine after three field goals late in this game. And... They scored a late touchdown, and ultimately, you know, the Raiders got the ball back, picked up a couple first downs, and just, you know, that was it. I was very impressed by Oakland, particularly offensively. I mean, this vaunted Denver defense, and Vic Fangio's this defensive guy, and I have lauded this Vic Fangio hire uh, multiple times. But to have a defense go in against this Oakland Raider offense and not register a sack not register a takeaway, give up 24 points, which isn't a ton of points, but basically be pounded into submission. And, you know, Josh Jacobs, who was great in this game, and I love this kid, man, watching him play. He's phenomenal. But, I mean, you just, I mean, you got Bradley Chubb, Derek Wolf, Vaughn Miller, and this is this is the best that you're able to do. This, that That is very disappointing in this Denver Broncos defense. And then offensively, you know, the Broncos were, you know, not going to be 
a great offensive team this season. But the Raiders aren't particularly exciting defensively themselves. I mean, they got a couple of rookies, Cleveland Farrell, and then uh, forget their safety who they've got uh, for another a second, another one of their three first round picks. Abrams, but is it Abrams? Josh Jonathan Abrams? Abrams. Jonathan Abrams. Okay, yeah. who's who's the real deal? Um, but nonetheless, this was this this defense was a sieve last year, and all of a sudden, you, know, you can't score your first touchdown until you know four three minutes left in the game, whatever it was. Very disappointing for the Denver Broncos last night in the game that you know. If you open up in a division game on the road against a team in your division that isn't the Chiefs or the Chargers, it's a huge game for you. And Oakland got the better of Denver last night. I think that was a that was not a good foundation on which to build your season going forward for Denver. I mean, there's week one overreactions, and then there's uh, week one affirmations. And uh, I thought the Broncos looked terrible last night. Looked terrible. Terrible. I mean, Joe Flacco didn't look good. Drop, yeah. drop, and touch. Even nothing. when he looked good, his receivers weren't there. For I mean, nothing early. really looked good. I thought Deshaun Hamilton and Cortland Sutton and and Emmanuel Sanders were all lackluster. I think Philip Lindsay's going to come back down to earth. I think that actually that's the one I thought Philip Lindsay looked pretty good looked, in a lot of ways good. last night. He looked pretty good, but I thought uh, the Raiders came ready to play, no doubt. And they shot out the gates, 14 nothing, And then you could tell they were kind of hanging off for dear life to try to finish that thing out. You know, the Broncos weren't playing well, but they, in typical NFL fashion, they still managed to make it a one-score game somehow just by piecing it together. And I thought the, the Raiders looked like a team that haven't won at a high level in a couple of years in terms of them trying to close that thing out. They didn't close it out with authority. But nonetheless, there was a big win to be sure, and, and that's a rivalry game. I mean, you talk about oh, huge. I mean, you talk about the bad blood between those two teams in Oakland. One thing that has just driven me crazy about the evolution of professional sports and how expensive they've become to attend is so often when you see NBA courtside or NFL close up, there's some authenticity left in places like Cleveland and Minnesota and Green Bay, even Detroit. Even though Detroit's been not great. But so often, you see these stadiums that are just sort of lackluster. Even I mean, the stadium itself is great, but the the crowds doesn't have that same San fear, Francisco, fearsome, you know, Miami, the, right, right, Jacksonville. So often too, especially the NBA is the the biggest culprit. You'll see all these oh. big wig corporate guys in their fancy suits and their leather shoes and their hot women next to them, and they're sitting there on their phones the whole time. There to be seen. And, and, and like they're not game. even watching the game. Like you pan to the sideline, and these guys are sitting there like texting and stuff. And it's like you hit the phone out of your hand. That's the thing that's the opposite about Oakland. These people are insane. The crowd is spectacular. It is so authentic. Just like what did Kevin Van Valkenburg said? He said this is like the Star Wars cantina. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great tweet that, that by Kevin Van Valkenburg. It's exactly right. Yes. It's like a Halloween party. Yes. I, I mean, you never seen so many grown adults with face paint, and I, you know, well, you know me, I don't really get into that kind of stuff, and I was all about it. I think that the insanity that exists in Oakland is tremendous. The one thing where you, because at all these other stadiums, you go and you what? You wear the gear, you get the jersey, you get the hat. You're not into any of that stuff. But if I can walk in there in a WWE costume, like the Undertaker, that is Colton Nuanas all day long, <laughs> all day long in there. And uh, and it is exactly that. And uh, 
did you see right when the game ended too? John Gruden, handshake Vic Fangio, and then takes off at what I consider to be a dead sprint. Most people would call it a slow jog to the end zone and just high fives and hugs to the black hole. You know what I mean? And again, I mean, if there was ever a better coach as a character to be the head coach of the Oakland Raiders, find him. Find him. For sure. I mean, it's John Gruden. That's it. That's all. Uh, I do want to give it up to Derek Carr. I have said uh, I like Derek Carr. I think he's a good quarterback. He has dealt with some significant injuries and also, frankly, some bad personnel. Uh, I don't know how good a quarterback he is. I'm not sitting here saying, look, this kid's a top 10 quarterback in the league or something like that. But he is a proficient NFL starter, and I think there's a lot of teams that would be happy to have Derek Carr. And if you build around him, he could be successful. 22 of 26 yesterday. I mean, that he was they on pace. He had... I think he was like 16 of 17 at one point, had a couple of incompletions late in this game, but he was uh, he was also outstanding. Stutel Nuwana's 1029 ESPN Radio. Okay, quick break, come back. Skyline Sports MT going to take us around the Big Sky Conference. What happened over the weekend? We'll take a look at the stats, FCS Top 25 poll, and what teams are making our radar in the Big Sky Conference next. Coulter, you and I have built our lives on communication. And one thing that people may not realize is Blackfoot. That is their bread and butter. And right now, they are spending a ton of time and money creating an incredible network of fiber optic cables across the state of Montana, a state that, thank you very much, could use some innovation and advancement in that way, right? You probably already know Blackfoot, a local partner for internet voice and professional services that fuel growing businesses like yours. Right now, Blackfoot is extending its fiber optic cable networks in Bozeman, St. Ignatius, and around the region. Yeah, like hundreds of miles of fiber optic cable. It's a stunning amount that they're putting in right now. Check out goblackfoot.com. You can click on the link if you're on Podbean or just copy the URL into your browser. Go see what they're up to. I think you'll be impressed when you find out all the things that Blackfoot does. Particularly in Bozeman. Bozeman, as you know, is booming right now, and Blackfoot... They got you all taken care of. How does fiber optics benefit your business? We're not quite sure, but Blackfoot sure does. Give them a call, 866-541-5000, or find them online at goblackfoot.com. ESPN Missoula Sports Center. Good afternoon, Ryan Tutel, Colton Wannis. Here's some sports news for you. The Big Sky Conference landed four teams in the top 10 of this week's Stats FCS Top 25 poll. Eastern Washington held steady at number four. UC Davis, despite being pushed significantly by USD, is still at number five. Weber State beat Cal Poly. They're now at number six, four, five, and six for the Big Sky Conference. How about that? Montana State, they also cracked the top 10 at number 10 for the first time in five years with a 38-17 win over former number 12 Southeast Missouri State. The Cats were number 10. Uh, excuse me, Montana is now also up two spots to number 20 after having been uh, 22nd in the league last year. 61-17 went over UNA. Montana State was, excuse me, start over. Montana State's win was spurred on by a fierce pass rush spearheaded by senior Bryce Dirk. You, you never know that I wrote this. The Montana-Washington transfer notched three of Montana State's six sacks during Big Sky Conference Defensive Player of the Week. Jerry Lou McGee, he was an absolute man in the punt return game, including a 74-yard touchdown to earn Big Sky Special Teams Player of the Week honors. Billing Central soccer standout Morgan Ferriston notched a hat trick against Hamilton over the weekend, giving her a Montana prep record 102 goals in her decorated career. She surpassed his white fist Elizabeth Pittman, who had 101. 
Jr. We were at the show, Coulter. We'll have that forever. No matter whatever comes between us, we were at Gary Clark Jr. and the pouring down rain. Yeah, I might have Sunday. hypothermia forever, too. <laughs> Do tell Nuanas, we are broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris Studios. Kurtz Polaris at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula, Highway 83 in Sealy online at KurtzPolaris.com. It is time for a look around the Big Sky Conference. What happened this weekend? Who won? Who lost? You heard a little bit about it in the news. It's brought to us by SkylineSportsMT.com. The game of the weekend in terms of what, in fact, transpired on the field probably took place between UC Davis and San Diego. Uh, UC Davis, the number five team in the nation, held on to that spot and a team widely regarded as uh, one of the probably two best teams in the Big Sky coming into the season, barely held on. A 38-35 win. San Diego appeared to score a touchdown right at the end. The hit right at the goal line jarred the ball free. Question whether the ball had crossed the line before the fumble occurred. Ultimately ruled a fumble and recovery by UC Davis. That call stood, and UC Davis stays, uh, gets their first of all, their first win of the season. They had a very nice game. I think it was like 19-7 to against Cal you in think the it's first Jack week. State, Arizona State for the 19th. Oh, you're right. And it was 27-13, though. They were in but it. A good, they, they, it they were winning. a very good game. Uh, in fact, yeah, it was 13-all in the second half of that football game. Uh, Cal ends up beating UC Davis, but UC Davis holding on against San Diego. They're now 1-1, one and one, and they're still the number five team in the nation. The biggest uh, domination of the weekend was Portland State, of all teams, who also looked great against Arkansas in their first game. They hammered Simon Frazier, maybe not surprisingly, 70-7, to seven, uh, the victory there. But as we said, uh, Big Sky teams occupying the 4th, 5th, and 6th spots nationally uh, in the uh, FCS, Stats FCS poll with Eastern Washington, UC Davis, and Weber State, and then Montana State at number 10. So 4 in the top 10, and the Grizzlies, 20. So 5 in the top 20. Uh, There haven't been 5 Big Sky Conference teams in the top 20 in a long time. Needless to say, anything of 4 in the top 10. It's a big week right now for the Big Sky Conference, and a lot of respect being given to the Big Sky. Yeah, I'll do some research because it actually might be never that there's been five teams in the top 20, only because the league was not this 13-team monstrosity that it is now. It was a nine-team league, so to have five out of nine would be ridiculous. Mm -hmm. You know, so, uh, but even five when you have 13 teams is still still a good number. You mentioned the UC Davis-San Diego game. I think that the two things that you got to note, to be San Diego's been a playoff team the last couple years, to be sure, but they also are rebuilding a little bit. And in a zero... Uh, uh, scholarships. Yeah, I mean, San Diego is is a lot like a D3 school in their scholarship model because San Diego is one of the most expensive and prestigious schools on the West Coast. academic stuff going. Yeah, so, I mean, your guys aren't on academic scholarships, but there's very few guys that are paying 65 grand. athletic scholarships. Right, right. But there's not, I mean, San Diego is like $65,000 a year. There's not a bunch of dudes playing football in San Diego paying 65 grand out the pocket Mm -hmm. to go to a private school and play in the Pioneer League. There's... They're recruiting and getting FCS caliber guys, to be sure. Um, and the other thing to remember the is... The thing is, the campus just not <laughs> nice. Yeah, right. Um, they had a 21-game ga- uh, winning streak in home openers coming into that game. Mm-hmm. And this is a little bit of a rivalry game, too. I mean, these two teams uh, are former D2 rivals. They are both prestigious academic institutions that have played more often than not in the non-conference. So... Uh, I'm not surprised that San Diego gave Davis a little bit of a run. 
Other scores from around the big sky. I thought that uh, Idaho State had a real struggle putting Western Colorado away. They finally did. They scored uh, 14 points in the fourth quarter to kind of bury Western Colorado, but that was a 24-13 game with about 12 minutes to play, and Idaho State did not look nearly as good as you would have hoped. Uh, Matt Strzok ended up winning the starting job there uh, over Gunnar Amos at quarterback, and you know, Idaho State, they didn't run the ball with as much authority as maybe you would have wanted, and that's not that surprising considering what they lost up front. So we'll see what Idaho State becomes, but uh, not the domination of a D2 team, especially when you had a bye week one that you might have uh, really wanted. I thought Sac State looked really good against Arizona State, defensively especially. I thought Kevin Thompson looked sharp, the quarterback from Sac State. So you know we'll see. We'll see where Sac State becomes. They have been good in FBS games throughout the years. Them and Portland State are always pretty good in FBS games, regardless of what their season becomes. And I think a lot of that just shows you how important the culture of winning is uh, compared to just having talent. Because those two teams have always had talent. They're in the metropolitan areas that are superior to other Big Sky schools, so they can get some different types of athletes, but they have never been able to really put it together consistently in league play because they have to play teams that do have winning traditions, like Montana, Montana State, and Eastern Washington. So we'll see what Sac State becomes, but I thought they looked pretty decent out the gates. Northern Colorado, Washington State were tied 7-7 in the second quarter, and then Washington State just avalanched them. Uh, Anthony Gordon looked automatic in the second half. He, he ended up throwing for 464 yards and four touchdowns, and Washington State ran away from Northern Colorado. Uh, Eastern Washington, a couple notes from that game that were striking. Uh, Tresante Dorton had 15 catches for 289 yards. So the 289 yards, that breaks Cooper Amazing. Cup's single-game record. Yeah. That in itself was striking. I mean, the, Dorton's had a lot of potential. He's been a speed guy that's kind of had to wait his turn, and now it looks like he has a chance to really break out this year. But it kind of made me sad that Cooper Cup's record got broken. Because when you have a guy that's a peerless talent like Cup, it just seems like he should just own all the records because it's just good for everybody involved. When everybody goes looks at the record books, they're like, oh, Cooper Cup, Cooper well, Cup. Well, I mean, can we do asterisks versus Lindenwood? Right. Because Cooper Cup, his school record was against Northern Colorado, which might be asterisks mm. as well. But, <laughs> but regard, yeah, I mean, Lindenwood. The other striking part about that game, Eric Berry finishes with 522 yards passing and 566 yards of total offense. The 566 was the 14th best total in Big Sky history, which in itself is remarkable. But I also thought it was incredible that there's been 14 games with more than 566 yards of total offense. That shows you what kind of offensive league the Big yeah. Sky's been. Uh, Northern Iowa picked up its first of what's probably going to be two Big Sky, or excuse me, Missouri Valley wins over the Big Sky. They beat Southern Utah 34-14. They play Idaho State later. I think Northern Iowa's probably going to take care of business. Northern Iowa's good this year, by the way. I watched a little bit of the Southern Utah game. They, they uh, Northern Iowa's tough, mm. and they return good size and strength on both lines. So you mentioned uh, Portland State 70-7 over Simon Frazier. Weaver State Cal Poly was a good one. Weaver State ended up pulling away late. Uh, Jay Hill has proven that he can scheme up against that triple option as, as well as anybody. Weaver always holds the triple option in check. And uh, then the one we, one we were kind of laughing at in the press box, Idaho goes on the road and gets drilled by 100 points at Penn State. They realistically lost 79-7. to They come home against the D2 team, Central Washington, that they're supposed to be the, the, one of the easy wins on their schedule. <laughs> and we both know Central Washington is no, no pushover. And 31 all in the middle of the fourth quarter. I mean, they gave everything they could handle. Idaho did win the game. They did win the game, forty-one, thirty-one. Yep. But uh, things are just—they're uh, not—they're not where they should be 
in Moscow, and I don't know when that's going to change. I mean, I have a guess. I thought the team that was most interesting to me, not most interesting as, as a team, but I thought the game that was, was, was interesting to me in terms of a final score was the Northern Arizona game. Northern Arizona goes and plays at Arizona and scores 41 points yeah, against the well, Wildcats. Look, I caveat, though, I they, were, they were down 51-7. All right. They were, down, they were down 51-7 in the second quarter. It's a lot. They gave up 51 points in 20 minutes. Not good. They scored 28 points in the second half, so credit to them. And Case Cook is through for 373 yards, but 51 points in well, the, here's the, the thing. first is it, 20, it's 25 minutes. It's just easy to come out and realize if you get – this is why I think starts the, 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 the first quarter, the first couple of possessions of an FCS – to FBS step-up game are so important for the FCS team. Because it is easy to get out there and and all of a sudden go, what are we doing here? This ain't good. Lose confidence and then it all and then you just start to play bad regardless. Like you're playing you would be playing a style of football that would lose to like opponents and even opponents worse than you because you are your head spinning or your confidence is shot or you're not ready for the moment or whatever it is. That clearly happened, but also Case Cookus is a great stabilizer. And once the game is already clearly out of reach, you go, okay, enough of this. Can we just go play some football, please? And all of a sudden, shockingly, things go better for you. So certainly Arizona would have called the dogs off at some point as well. And, you know, probably could have, uh, you know, scored more than 65 points had they chosen to do so. Point being, you know, I don't think it's a complete, you know, I don't think it's it doesn't matter uh, uh, that they ended up with 41 points because that's that's a lot of points to have late against, you know, an in-state Pac-12 team that certainly there's plenty of kids playing on northern Arizona that are sitting there going, you know, I should be at Arizona or Arizona State. Speaking of Northern Arizona, Northern Arizona assistant head coach and tight ends coach Robin Flugrad will join us on the show uh, tomorrow. And the connection there is, that, well, obviously he's the former head coach at the University of Montana. He also spent a good deal of time at the University of Oregon. So he knows both of these programs pretty darn well. So that'll be a fun interview uh, to catch up with uh, with Coach Flugrad tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. Very good. Uh, Coulter, when you look at the Big Sky Conference, just in general here, not, not looking at specific games or whatever, is this as good as the Big Sky Conference has been at the top in in recent memory? Or are they just... It remains to be seen. Yeah. Here's the thing. The whole thing relies on the Montana schools. The Montana schools have been not what they should be for, in the case of Montana State, four or five years. And in the case of Montana, ten years. For, For all of the 90s, it was Montana and everybody else. For a brief moment, Tim Walsh had Portland State there as the number one contender. For a brief moment, Ron McBride had Weber State there as the number one contender. For a brief moment, Mike Kramer had Montana State there as the number one contender. The Big Sky was a one-bid league, basically, when it came to the playoffs. It was Montana. And if any of those other teams were able to sneak up and somehow sneak in, it was a two-bid league. But that was it. And there was really no one else that was ever in the mix. Eastern Washington was was a number one contender there for a little while as well. With the demise of the Grizzlies, the rise of Eastern Washington, the leveling out of Montana State, it opened a bunch of doors. Then all of a sudden, 2012, you add all these teams to the league. 
Well, it's Cal Poly, UC Davis, North Dakota, and Southern Utah. Every single one of those teams has won a Big Sky title since joining the league. Montana has not. That in itself is crazy. But when you have a, a dynamic and rising star as a head coach in Jay Hill at Weaver State, now you have consistency there. Ron McBride had a, a two-year span where they were really good. And then they kind of came back down to earth at the tail end of his career, and they just really, they were just average again. But Jay Hill's proven that this is a now perennial contender for Weaver State. So now you have them solidified. So it's not as if there's just one number one contender to Easter. Easter Washington is the one sitting on the throne right now. They've established themselves as the premier program in the Big Sky this decade. But it's not as if Weber State's the only number one contender. When you lure Dan Hawkins back to his alma mater at UC Davis and he gets it rolling right away, now you have a completely different factor that the Big Sky has not seen before until right now with a premier academic institution located in the heart of California, but also with the distinct advantage of being in a true college town. Nowhere else in California can offer a true college town experience mm-hmm. while also having a football program with a ton of tradition before they went Division One, and now you have one of the most dynamic and famous head coaches that has, I mean, it's a coaching cradle at UC Davis, but Dan Hawkins is the one that rose to the top level. Now he's back at his alma mater. So now you have two premier contenders to Eastern Washington, and neither of those are the Montana schools. If the Montana schools can fulfill their potential this year and reclaim their rank among the national elite, which it looks as if they're at least inching towards that, it looks as if they're capable of that, whereas before totally. now it looked as if they were not capable. Of totally, that. Yes. and and so then in in that case, then yes, the cats right now are 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 as a program better than the Grizz, even when the cats were, and, and that's and it's so hard to say, but you have, I mean you have to say it because the Grizz haven't made the playoffs in three years, and the cats have, right. Yes, and are, and have won three in a row, head-to-head. Uh, head. So, right, no, there's right, no right. question And the Cats that. have won three Big Sky titles this yes. decade. The Grizz have won none. The Cats have made the playoffs six times this decade. You, the Grizz have made it four. You don't have to make an argument. It's a fact. So, what I'm saying, though, is that that's never been the case. Even when Mike Kramer was at Montana State and they beat the Grizz three out of four years, there's there was no argument who had the better program. Montana had the best program in the Western United States, maybe one of the three best programs in the country with the exception of Georgia Southern and App State at this level. Now, with the Cats having a little bit of an advantage there, but the Grizz having so much entrenched tradition and so many resources, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when for Montana, in my opinion, with what they have at their disposal. And so when when those two teams, they can spur each other on, then that leads the way for everybody else. Eastern Washington has approved, finally, a whole new renovation, a whole new stadium expansion. It remains to be seen if they're going to be able to make it happen. Because they've been talking about this gateway project since 2004. But when, when the flagships are good. It drives everybody else. And the fact that there's been at least three programs that have gotten back to being really good that aren't the Cats and the Grizz, when the Cats and the Grizz reassume their spots at the table, now all of a sudden you have five teams that have real... They have the the things you need to be able to entrench yourself as a consistently nationally elite team with not only the investment in football, but the coaches, the recruiting models, all that stuff. And so... It's not quite there yet, but it's it's on the precipice, and, and all it has to do with Montana, Montana State. It's 2 tell and one us on ESPN Radio. Coulter, thank you. Let's look around the Big Sky Conference, brought to you by SkylineSportsMT.com. Just one thing, 
This is for me, probably not for anybody else. Puts me in a very, very good mood. Shout out to our friend Angela Marshall over at ABC Fox Television, anchor in town, for tweeting this out and putting me in such a good mood. The first winter weather advisory of the season will take uh, take place at midnight Wednesday night. Fear not. It's just in the Beartooth Mountains. It's a long way away and very high up. Not here in Missoula, not anywhere in any low country. But it is happening in the state, and I am thrilled. Bring on fall. Coulter, if you got friends coming to town, maybe for a football game. Maybe you have in-laws, and maybe you don't like them. <laughs> Who does? Have I, you seen the Bob Green video that went? I do. Have like you seen the Bob in-laws. Green video that went viral? I don't know who Bob Green is, and I have not seen it. He is the former head coach at Montana Tech. Mm. Oh, yes, Vietnam yes. War veteran yes. who oh, screams I, and yells at every I, possible I did thing. know Bob Green. Got a lot of mixed feelings. It's like when your mother-in-law drives off a cliff in a Cadillac. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, if you don't like your in-laws and they're coming to town, great place for you to stay. Yeah, actually, you'd be doing them a very good service. So you, they, you, know, you keep your distance, but also treat them right. Let them stay at the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel. Wingate by Wyndham Hotel, located by the Missoula Airport. A great place that offers something for everybody. Whether you want to enjoy the awesome water park with the sweet water slide, if you have a family or they have some kids, you got some nieces and nephews you want to take out there, that's great. They also can host parties out there, birthday parties. So if you're in town, you need a place to take the kiddos. Go check out the Wingate by Wyndham as well. And they also have terrific business travel rates, large meeting spaces for you and your clients, and one of the best pro- rewards programs you will find anywhere. You got people coming into town, hook them up with the Wingate by Wyndham. Give a, Kim or Alicia a call, 541-8000. That's 541-8000. Let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home even when you're not. Coulter, some people like the Clark Fork. Some people like the Flat Hood, the Bitterroot. My favorite river has always been Blackfoot. We finally agree on something. Me too. I love Thibodeau Falls. I love Rainbows, and I love the Blackfoot River. You know, if a company was smart, they'd just name themselves Blackfoot. By God, look at the geniuses over here at Blackfoot. They've gone and they've done it, and now guess what? They're working around the clock and around the state to lay hundreds of miles of fiber optic cables to increase hugely the the efficiency and the speed of communication across the state of Montana. It's pretty likely you already know Blackfoot as a local partner for internet, voice, professional services, anything you need to fuel your growing business. But like you said, they're building hundreds and hundreds of miles of cable across Montana. And right now, they're expanding their fiber network into Bozeman, St. Ignatius, and other regions. Find out more about what Blackfoot does. Give them a call. 866-541-5000 or go to goblackfoot.com. That's goblackfoot.com. You can click on the link here on the Podbean site or if you're listening in elsewhere, just copy the URL, drop it in there, goblackfoot.com. To tell in nuance on 102.9 ESPN Radio for Missoula. Big week coming up this week. It's like coming up. I mean, we're in it. It is Tuesday. I understand. Stutel Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris Studios. Kurtz Polaris, 2904 West Broadway in Missoula, Highway 83 in Sealy, online at 
KurtzPolaris.com. You can find us on the World Wide Web, 1029ESPN.com. You can listen live there if you'd like to on the stream. If you missed anything in the show, you can also listen on the podcast. Podcast available wherever you get your podcast. Search Tutel Nuanas, T-O-O-T-E-L-L, K-Z-N-A-L-C-T-U-E-Z. Right? Did I get your last name right? Very odd. Very oh, odd last man. name. I never thought I would have a, 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 a co-host or even somebody that I knew who would have a rarer last name in terms of the number of people on earth that have it than, than the one that I've got. But I think you've got me beat. Oh, absolutely. Well, because Nunez is one of the most common names on planet Earth, but whatever happened with, you know, I mean, you had a blind ancestor. Whoever whoever comes where and when you get to America, whatever happens, you know, somehow something extra gets added or something gets dropped off or whatever. And uh, (laughs) that happened. I mean, I I have done all sorts of research on the Internet. I have never been able to find more than about 25 people with the actual last name of N-U-A-N-E-Z. Anyway, uh, it's available on the podcast. Two telling new one is very unique. You're not going to hear that combo ever again. The podcast brought to us by the Wingate by Wyndham uh, Hotel. Uh, Coulter, uh, just quickly update. We uh, mentioned this earlier, but Robin Flugrat tomorrow. Looking forward to that. Aaron Parchette also going to be here from the Montana Brewers Association. Big brew fest on Saturday here in town. Uh, so we'll have that for you. Also, Jake Elliott, the head coach of the Western Illinois Leathernecks, uh, going to join us on Thursday. So look forward to having him uh, in here as well. And Tyson Alger, who is the Alger, who is the uh, uh, beat writer for the Oregon Ducks from the Athletic. He is the subject of this week's ESPN Roundtable. That'll be on at noon tomorrow, and then you at five o'clock on Thursday. Uh, so uh, we'll uh, get you all set for what's going on in the world of Oregon football from somebody who is in and around the program quite a lot. In fact, been, between the Oregonian and the Athletic, been covering Oregon since 2014 when Marcus Mariota was doing his thing, uh, has, uh, has Tyson been doing it. So uh, appreciate having him on. Uh, and also Thursday, I want to remind everybody, it's the last stop on the Tutel Nuanas summer tour, the press box, boys and girls. We're headed to the press box. Going down there to the uh, 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 phenomenal sports bar, down by the walking bridge right across from the university uh, and uh, the official fan headquarters of Grizzly Athletics. In fact, at the press box. So we're going to be down there four to six Thursday afternoon. We're going to pull one more name out of the box for tickets, which we have in hand, in hand. We'll have them on site for the uh, uh, Grizzly Oregon Duck football game coming up Saturday. So come down, hang out with us, uh, have some Woodmer Hafeweizen with us down there, and uh, enjoy uh, some time at the press box with Tutel and Nuanas Thursday afternoon from 4 to 6. Speaking of that Oregon football game, Coulter. Jared Elliott, not Jake Elliott. Just had to correct you there on the Western Illinois head Thank coach. Thank you. It's funny. I didn't miss, you know. It's so funny when you have the crossovers uh, sometimes with teams that aren't in a league. He's not a kicker for the Eagles. He's not. No, it's just it's uh, it's funny how sometimes some of these home and homes work, especially when there's crossovers with both Montana schools. Mm. This will be the third time Jared Elliott's been on our show, and he might not ever be on it again unless not not when I'm calling him Jake. He's not coming (laughs) back. But it's it's just interesting that he. This is only his second year as the head coach, but he played both Montana schools last year, and then he plays. Montana again, Montana State again this year, and mm-hmm. I think the Grizz play them again next year too. So the home and home crossovers are 
our interest. So it goes. Um, the Oregon Grizzly game. Uh, we talked about the spread in this game. 36 points right now. You and I are both on Oregon to uh, give the points, take the Ducks. What do you... What do you... How many points do you think Oregon will score in this game? And how many points do you think would be good for Montana if Oregon scored in this game? Gosh, I hate this game. Oregon can score as many points as they want in this game. Hmm. Not sure about it. I'm not sure about that. How many possessions is Oregon going to have? Probably 16. Oregon's going to score 15. on 75% of their possessions. Okay. 70 to 75% of their possessions. Okay. So if Montana limits the possessions, then Oregon's going to score 49. And if, if Montana doesn't limit possessions or turns the ball over, I don't know. I, I, to, to, me, to me, because of Oregon's prowess on the offensive line and the fact that they have an absolute stud playing quarterback, this could be as lopsided as Montana at Washington, if not more, because I just think that Oregon has a higher level, a higher ability to score. I, if Montana held Oregon to under 50, I think that would be a remarkable feather in the cap. I also think that, um, as perhaps was evidenced in the Arizona-Northern Arizona football game, there's a difference between limiting a team in some way and a team limiting itself in some way. Um, True. And so... Again, and how true is Montana to itself? Because if yeah. Montana plays its typical style of a really aggressive defense, that could go two ways. You could confuse Oregon and maybe get them out of some drives, and maybe it, they're not going to score on 70% of yeah. the possessions. Or if Justin Herbert figures out the defense pretty quick, it could actually cater to you giving up way more points. Mm-hmm. Or it, it'd be, you mentioned like sometimes the way you can play defense. Like the Cats, when they went to Washington State a couple of years ago and Luke Falk was the quarterback, they were just bailing. I mean, they were rushing two, mm-hmm. three. They were, they were dropping eight. And they lost 31 nothing, but the 31 nothing was lopsided, right? Because they, they mitigated the possession game. I mean, Luke Falk completed like 23 straight passes in the first half, but they were only up 14 nothing because of the way the possession count worked, right? Montana State did a little bit of the similar thing in Texas Tech to keep them at 45, but is it actually a good defensive performance? It's, it's, it's pretty good, but it's, you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah. You're, you're mitigating your, your stuff to stop the bleeding. But I also think, too, that, that there's certain, I don't know, benchmarks that you can look for in a game like this. Tackling, right? As big and as strong as a guy is, there's no wide receiver, there's no tight end, there's no even running back on Oregon that Dante Olsen or any other guy can't bring down if you can get to him. There's plenty of guys that you can't catch if they get you wrong. I get that. Like, if a guy's faster, he's just faster. That's a fact. Yeah. But but that's, that's also the beauty of college football is that these are all kids. That's right. Like, you can go up and wrap your arms around a guy and bring him to the ground even if he's twice your size. It's possible. Okay? It's no, it's not, it's not a problem. But it's, you know, it's easy also to kind of not quite make it there or maybe, you know, whatever, you know, be sound in what you do and see how it goes. You know, that's what I think. And, and we'll pay attention and see if, uh, you know, Montana's able to do that. I think a sub-50 would be a, a tremendously optimistic uh, defensive performance, but also not out of the realm of possibility. Boys and girls, thanks for being with us. 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. We will be back with you tomorrow. We're going to have some great interviews for you, some fun times, and even some ways. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday evening. We'll see you then. Good night.
Whether you're traveling to Missoula for business, a family visit, or to watch the Grizz game, the Wingate wants to be your home away from home. Call the Wingate to find out how we can take care of your next trip to Missoula. From conference rooms to great complimentary breakfast to an indoor water park, we have what you need and what you want when traveling. The Wingate of Missoula is a proud supporter of Grizzly and Lady Grizz Athletics, and we look forward to making you feel at home when you're not. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 